Welcome to our Stories from the Well Advent series. Each week, we're going to have a reflection available that encourages and invites you into the story of Jesus' birth. It is a story that actually seems rather impossible. And you'll notice by the time we finish this month, everyone in this narrative has experienced loss and struggle, and they're all waiting and longing for things to be better. But not one of them expects the miracle, the incredible event that will forever change their lives and their world. And quite honestly, they didn't even understand it fully when Jesus was born. They had no idea what was coming in the next few years. Today we're talking about joy, but not just joy, joy in unexpected places. I think when we think about the birth of Jesus, we can definitely say this was a place of joy that was unexpected. It wasn't the best of locations. It was in a dirty cave barn. There were livestock standing around. There wasn't the support of family and friends. They were traveling. It was a very in, inopportune time for Jesus to be born. And it certainly created some very uncomfortable moments for Mary and Joseph all through the pregnancy, trying to explain the timing and what was happening with them having a baby so soon and during a betrothal period. But there was so much joy in this story, so much joy in that space, in those moments. I have a childhood memory that counts as joy experienced in an unexpected place. My, my parents were foster parents. Over 20 years, there were dozens and dozens of foster children who lived in our home. At our maximum capacity, I think there were 14 human beings living under one roof. And people would often say, it's just beautiful that your parents fostered so many children. And it was, but it was also really messy and challenging. I don't really remember experiencing quietness growing up. All those lives and stories and traumas colliding under one roof meant strong emotions and an enormous amount of laundry and noisy dinners. Like the dreaded day of the month when my mom would prepare liver for dinner. I don't know what it is about liver in the 70s, but I think it was a family staple for many households. And let me be clear, my mom is a fabulous cook. It was not her lack of culinary skills that caused the problem. It's just that liver is terrible. It's horrible. It tastes so bad. Absolutely none of us liked it. 
and the moans and the protests would begin as soon as we all caught a whiff of liver fumes escaping the kitchen. Those dinners were awful and hilarious all at once. On these nights, usually there was an entire bottle of ketchup that was used to smother the liver steaks so that we could bear to chew and swallow. (laughs) On one particular Brady Bunch-like dinner night, there was a liver uprising. 14 people barreled into the dining room, chairs scraping across the floor, people pushing each other as we all sat down, and my dad giving thanks for the gourmet meal. And then we all sat around the table, attempting to eat what we were told others would gladly consume. After a few minutes, one of the kids said, hey, something just hit my leg. And then it happened again a few minutes later. It wasn't long before my parents figured out that one liver culprit was tossing liver under the table to the dog. Just a few pieces went rogue. My mom eventually gave up her liver crusade. We all breathed a collective sigh of relief to return to the steak, roast, and ground beef portions of the cow. And listen, I... I cannot think of another meal in my family that has generated so much laughter, exaggerated retellings, and joy. Who knew a sliver of liver could bring levity and belonging to a family with children who needed more memories around a dinner table, even if it tasted terrible?
shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. And suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's, let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. I'd like to share another story that is joy in an unexpected place. I was a youth pastor for about 13 years and in the 90s, I would say this was probably around like 1995 or 96, teenagers didn't have cell phones or um, definitely didn't have smartphones. They weren't around yet, right? They used beepers. This is what they used to stay connected to each other. And there's a story that every time a group of students from this class get together, it comes up. We were sitting in a worship service on a Sunday morning, you know, a very formal, serious event. Um, it was a good, warm space, but you know, everybody, you're supposed, there's a certain behavior expected during this time. The teenagers, in our church all sat together and during the welcome time of the service which is in the middle it's right after all the music and right before the sermon a group of high school guys um, actually just one of them really uh, got a hold of a girl's purse that had a drawstring that cinched up her purse and he very secretly tied it in a big knot so that it would be hard for her to get into her purse and then went out into the lobby and called her beeper number. 
By the time the signal went through, the pastor had begun the sermon and her beeper starts going off in her purse, but she cannot get it open to turn it off. And so she is frantic trying to get in there. It seems like forever that the beeper just keeps going beep, beep, beep. And finally the pastor had to stop for a second because he just couldn't compete with the beeper. And if you looked around this girl, every high school boy sitting in the vicinity of her is doubled over in laughter. I simultaneously thought, oh, they are in so much trouble. And at the same time, thought that might have been one of the most creative and hilarious pranks I'd seen so far. There was so much joy in that unexpected, quiet, serious space. But also, for me, the youth pastor, there was a whole lot of joy of watching the parents swoop in on those students right after the service and send the young man who had tied her purse in a knot and gone out and called the beeper. They sent him marching up to the pastor to apologize for disrupting. There was just a little moment of joy there for me also. From John 1. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is by far my most favorite passage written by Eugene Peterson in his translation of the New Testament. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. There is something really joyful about God with us moving into our vicinity, to the place where we live, to the moments, the ordinary, the relationships that belong to us. When I think of foster children finding belonging, laughter and joy around a liver dinner, or shepherds standing beneath the brilliant, radiant light of angels singing, or how about teenage boys pulling a harmless prank during a sermon, in all of those things, I think of unexpected joy, a shift, a surprise of something that was never expected before. And then I wonder if joy is sometimes an actual shift for us in how we find ourselves in the world. It's the, this encounter with a grace or a kindness, or a miracle that we did not see coming. 
For me, that's the joy, the story of Jesus' birth. Something I just didn't see coming. And when I heard the story the first time years ago, I'm sure I felt that. But I relive it every day that I experience God's grace coming into my life, covering my situation, meeting me in my circumstance, loving me beyond my ability to even understand. I feel that story anew, that Jesus' birth is what the source of that is. That is where that began for me. So where is the shift for you? When you hear the story of the shepherds on the hillside, what joyful moment do you recall in your own life? And how can you trace that back to the unexpected kindness and grace of God moving into the neighborhood of our lives with his love and his presence in an infant child.
I'm so grateful that you joined us for our third episode of the Advent series. And I hope it brought you great joy. I want to give a couple shout outs. First to Alexandria Moore and Angela Hurley for their cover of the song Christmas Time is Here. And to Arthur Thompson for his cover of The Little Drummer Boy. All of these people are fabulous musicians and you should check out their work. I will include links in the bio and the notes. Hear this, hear this blessing for your week. Joy, not a word we use every day. And maybe that's good, since meeting the child king who will save us counts as a pretty big deal. Feel free to experience joy today. Have a great week.